Please support Unfound Live at Patreon, PayPal, and or YouTube. On this episode, I go over updated information regarding a missing couple. I dissect this disappearance news out of Guatemala. I wonder why the Adelsons were going to Vietnam. And I cover a bunch of other stuff, including another disc golf win. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live for November 20th, 2023. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unfound Live for November 20th of 2023. I hope everybody is doing fantastic out there. It was a magnificent day here in Clearwater Beach. I actually spent some time speaking to my neighbors uh, today. Off on the balcony, they're over in 8C now. They're down here, I guess, until May. So I'm going to have neighbors, which is really, really rare. Right over here next to me. And uh, they were out in their balcony. I'm out in my balcony. And we're talking back and forth. And I can't remember the last time I did that. It's been a long time. But that's how beautiful a day it was. Everybody just uh, enjoying it. And the temperature just uh, perfect. And so that's what's been going on with me. And I'll get into uh, some other uh, personal stuff uh, here in a bit. Just want to remind all of you as you are watching tonight, please give uh, this video a thumbs up. If you are watching on Facebook, please uh, share it. Please like the Facebook page, and if you are watching on YouTube, if you are not yet a subscriber, maybe um, this is your first time uh, tuning into the live show. I know that even though this is a holiday week, that a lot of people have off the entire week, uh, Monday through Friday, like, for example, teachers here in Pinellas County have the entire week off, lucky for them. And if you are one, maybe we all we will pick up uh, a few new people because of that tonight. I do understand that at least here on the East Coast, where it's nine o'clock when we get started, maybe getting close to bedtime for some people who have to get up early the next morning. But give it a thumbs up. We know, or you know, how much we like that. And also, uh, you want to, if you're watching or or listening to this as the podcast, when it comes out the next day on November 21st, maybe you can give uh, Unfound Live, the podcast, a nice review on iTunes or wherever else. And that would be cool, too. And you want to go one step farther, patreon.com forward slash. Unfound podcast. I have that typed out in the chat tonight. Also, paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast. Those are a couple easy ways to support what we do here. Also, if you are watching on YouTube tonight, you can hit the join button and 
get involved that way. So let's see who is here to start off tonight, and I'll get into uh, stuff that has occurred since last uh, Monday in my life, and then we will get into the true crime stuff. As you can see, the title, uh, I'm going to be talking about Don Adelson tonight. Uh, that happened like right after last week's show. I want to talk about this uh, missing uh, American woman. Uh, she went missing in the country of Guatemala, so we have a Guatemala mystery. I want to talk about a missing couple and a couple and in fact we have uh, recent news just within the last 24 hours uh it's not good news either but i want to talk about that i got a lot of unfound stuff to cover as well in the next couple of hours so who is in here melody karen everything yo peeps nephew uh, charles you should know today charles i shipped a ups uh, a suit up to Pennsylvania today in, in anticipate Pennsylvania in anticipation of your mother, my sister's 50th wedding anniversary next month. Uh, so I did that today. Um, Lisa, uh, splitting time between the live show and the football game. Valerie, what's going on? Monday, fun day. Lisa, thank you so much. For being a member for the past year on the YouTube channel. Cannot thank you enough. Macy, what's going on on Texas time? Hello. Kathy, uh, moderator Sheree, what's going on? And Barbara and a Facebook user says thank you for sharing. Yeah. So, all right. And I realize it's one of those weird things. And... Um, that we usually get more viewers as the night goes on. It's one of those weird things. I, I don't know why. But uh, Charlie, my nephew, says, nice. The boys and I have tuxedos. You're wearing tuxedos to this? Oh, my gosh. All right. That's fine, Charlie. And Mary, hello to you. Yes, hey, Ed. Hello, Mary. Hey, Mary. Happy Thanksgiving. And, yeah, that is the overlay for tonight's show. Uh, wishing everybody a, ha a happy Thanksgiving. I guess that only applies to people, I guess, in the United States, right? Um, but still, I uh, wanted to put it up there representing for my country. So yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. All right. What are some things, uh, personal things that have gone on, uh, since you saw me last? Um, Facebook user Edward, just wondering what happened to my sister's Angie Westbrook's cold case. Have you heard anything else on this yet? Please let me know. Um, I, I, yeah, uh, I have not heard anything, but I would love, I, unfortunately, whatever sister of Angie West, Westbury's sisters, I can't see which sister. I know she has a couple different sisters. I uh, don't know which sister that is. But certainly I would love to talk to you again. Um, and maybe maybe that gives me an opportunity to talk about that. I can certainly talk about um, her disappearance and the other uh, young woman who went missing with her. So uh, first of all, I have to ask, which sister is this? So I know who I'm speaking to. And I really don't have any information, but I would certainly love to talk to you, to you again Uh Certainly those two disappearances I would still like to feature on Unfound, uh, certainly, certainly, certainly. But as far as what has been going on, um, 
and I'm going to come back uh, to that uh, question about Angela Westbury. If everybody is like, what is this uh, Facebook user? What is she talking about? Um, I will talk about it in a bit. Uh, hello, Mary. Uh, first of all, I won unexpectedly. Has to be next to the win, my first win in disc golf ever, going back back to way back to 2015. This has to be the most unexpected win since then. I actually won a disc golf tournament on Saturday, uh, playing in the intermediate category over at Taylor. That's my local course. And I ended up winning by a stroke. I wouldn't say I played overtly well, but I just kept it together long enough to um, hold off. I think there were 10 guys in my division, and I won by a stroke. I shot a one under, so a 53, and that was good enough to win. I... I have to admit going in that I wouldn't have thought that shooting a 53 would be good enough to win. I knew that it a 53 under those conditions on that course is probably in that division going to get you usually a top five or top three, something like that. But I don't know if it was necessarily a weak field or some of the players had bad days. I really don't know. I really only know a couple of the other players who were in my division, to be honest. But I just kind of showed up on Saturday morning thinking, you know what, I'm just going to play. Ended up playing with a really good group, which always helps. And a couple guys who I've known for a long time just happened to be there as well. So that really helped. And just kind of kept it together for the entire round. And uh, won by a stroke. Really did not see it coming uh, at all. I mean, I as I've told many people, I've actually played some decent disc golf this year, but it hasn't been showing up on the scores. What usually happens is I I play 15 of the baskets really, really well, and then I have three baskets that are complete disasters. So on the whole, I think I've been playing okay. I've just been shooting myself in foot for just very small periods of time. And I guess what I avoided on Saturday was... You know, I had some bogeys. I mean, I shot a 53, so I had four birdies and three bogeys. You know, I didn't have, you know, a couple double bogeys or a triple bogey. I avoided all of that, which has really been my undoing in many other tournaments this year. Uh, I would say that there are other tournaments where I played better for much of the round, but then shot myself in the foot. It was just on Saturday didn't have any big mistakes and uh really had to sweat it out though um we were playing kind of just when you show up so i had to wait until like two or three o'clock i played like first thing on saturday morning i had to wait till like two or three in the afternoon before i knew uh that i was the winner because a lot of other people showed up and played and you can actually watch the scores online we do uh scoring through the internet on PDGA, PDGA live. And so I had to watch some other guys keep their scores. And a couple of them got down to like, they were like even with like four baskets to go or one over and they needed a couple birdies and nobody was able to get uh, to one under and I pulled it out. So that's my 10th win ever. 
And as I've already stated, very unexpected. You just don't even know. But I'm very thankful. Uh, tomorrow I will go over to collect my winnings. We don't get paid in money as amateurs. We get paid in like uh, gift certificates to um, uh, the, the sponsoring store or whatever. So I'll pick something up. I'll get a voucher. I don't even know how, many, how much, how many dollars the voucher will be worth. But I guess I'll pick up some discs or something uh, for my win. And I really don't even know what the amount is. I guess I'll find out tomorrow when I go over uh, to where I pick it up. So, yeah, it was good. And all of you know how much I love to win. So uh, that doesn't hurt either. And so there you go. Uh, win number 10. I haven't won a disc golf tournament since August of 2022. So it's been a long time coming, like 16 months. And this is my fourth, at least my fourth, or I think it's my fourth, fourth win at Taylor. That's my fourth win there over the years. It was my second. My second win was at Taylor. And then I had two wins last year there. And now we get uh, number uh, win number four. And uh, that the amounts to total in total number 10. So I'm to double digits and wins. Not sure I could have ever predicted that just a few years ago. So that's spectacular. Uh, moving on to something um, uh, else, kind of uh, unfound related, really unfound related, but also personal. I went and spoke at Largo High School on last Wednesday morning. I got myself out of bed at like quarter to eight. Made it to the high school about 8.30 uh, in the morning. It was a very gloomy uh, kind of sprinkling day. And I ended up speaking to over 300. I said it was like 250. My friend who was part of the people organizing it stated that there were over 300 students in that auditorium that I spoke to on Wednesday about podcasting. Just spoke to them just a little bit about disappearances right at the end. Really, though, it was just about podcasting, about putting a podcast together and what it's like behind the scenes and how I ended up doing this. And I spoke, man, um, I was prepared to speak for an hour. I think we went about 50 minutes because the guy in front of me like went over time, which was fine. And so I had material for about an hour, but we, I went for about 50 minutes, answered some questions at the end. And the time just goes so fast. It really does. Uh, but I I don't get nervous uh, doing this. Um, maybe in the first couple minutes. But once I get into the flow of things, of course it helps that what I'm going to be talking about is behind me up on the screen. I, I bring a PowerPoint, put a PowerPoint presentation together. So. All I have to do is look at the screen to know about what I'm, uh, you know, discussing next. So it's not like I have to do it off the top of my head, which is nice. But that is, I don't know, maybe the largest group of ever people I've ever spoken in front of in my life. Uh, you know, or, um, you know, perform, you know, playing the piano or doing my acting or whatever, even in high school and ever. Got to believe that's the biggest crowd that I've ever been in front of by myself in my life at the age of 53. 
but it was fantastic. No wonder people love being rock stars so much. But the students were great. Uh, just a ton of questions at the end. And unfortunately, I didn't get to some of them because I ran out of time. When I was done coming off the stage, there were actually kids waiting for me to shake my hand, to ask me additional questions, thanking me uh, for talking to them. You know, and keep in mind, I had, you know, what was it? About a week's notice regarding this. And um, I really have to thank my buddy Scott, who was a teacher there, who's on my trivia team, for uh, thinking of me. Because somebody, I think the way I got in there was somebody backed out. And it just came to mind, hey, maybe Ed would like to speak. And he knows that I've spoken at, at uh, universities here in Florida. He goes, can you come in and speak to the kids about podcasting? Absolutely, Scott. I can do that. And it was it was good. Uh, I would certainly – I hope I have the opportunity to do that again. And uh, I had – a I, thing is I had some big shoes to fill because the guy before me – there was actually – they started at 8 a.m. The guy before me is the announcer at Amelie Arena where the Lightning play, the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey team plays. He was the guy before me. And so he had all these cool videos and he had these pictures and he was telling funny stories and he was really loud. He was wearing like a peach or pinkish suit. And um, I was like, wow, do I feel underprepared? And uh, then I get up there and of course I don't have anything like that. and. It went well, and in fact, um, I didn't couldn't I didn't even know this. They had these things going throughout the day. I mean, there was like a different speaker every uh, hour. I think eight a.m. I was nine a.m. Then was somebody up me ten a.m. eleven a.m. My buddy Scott told me that I had the largest crowd, easily. Now, granted, maybe it's because it's podcasting. And because kids, you know, want to do that, they want to be influencers, they want to be on Instagram, they want to be on TikTok. So anybody who's doing with anything regarding work on the internet uh, has come sort of celebrity, quote unquote, quote unquote, quote unquote, quote unquote, celebrity, but has his own show or doing something like that. I guess that is going to attract a lot of teen attention uh, as they think about what they're going to be doing with their lives. But um, you know, they got to sign up beforehand so they could get out of class to go to each different speakers. I had the largest crowd. Now, the guy before me had a decent crowd too, but as soon as I got up in sca- stage and started speaking, I realized, oh man, there's way more people here for me than there was the guy before me. So, uh, there you go. Um, and I want to thank uh, all the students, anybody who might be watching tonight or their parents or listening or whatever else. I uh, really appreciated it. Love the opportunity. Um, and uh, I will certainly do it again if I am asked. So three, like over 300. I was actually, you know, I have to admit when I came back and posted, like I spoke to like 250 students, I thought, Maybe I'm exaggerating just a little bit. And then Scott tells me, no, 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 you were actually low. We actually did the numbers. It was actually over 300 students in there. Crazy. So this is like uh, high school, you know, so we're talking like 
15 through 18 year olds. And you know, I, if you want to see what I did, it's up on the YouTube channel right now. I did edit out a couple little things where one of the teachers had to like kind of scold them for like murmuring and not being quiet enough. I have to admit it didn't bother me that much. I edited that out, but really, 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 really kids were great. Uh, I give, uh, you know, I remember being a teenager and, and all that. So to get teenagers to be quiet and listen to somebody who they don't know up on stage, uh, for 50 minutes or an hour is, is something. And so I give them all the credit in the world. Thank you uh, so much to Largo high school. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, what's everybody saying here? Hold on. Um, Hello. Uh, thank you, Lisa. Appreciate the congratulations. Hello, Ellie. What's going on? Macy. Did I do Saturday trivia? I did not. Um, I had to actually do some work at home, uh, Macy on Saturday night because I had played disc golf earlier that day. Uh, but I'll, uh, but I am going to be going to trivia tomorrow night. So maybe I'll have an update on Wednesday. Um, yeah, there you what a great experience, Twinkle. Yes, it was. Thank you. Uh, thanks. Uh, you're a compelling person. Lucky crowd. Thank you, Ellie. You're very kind. Uh, wait, did you ever do karaoke? I am actually going to be going to karaoke on Wednesday night. The day before Thanksgiving, I'll be showing up there. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to sing or not. I was going to go on Saturday night, but like I said, I had stuff to do. And uh, I spent my time at home doing unfound work on Saturday night. Or I probably would have gone to check out karaoke right over at the corner bar. Instead, my plan is to go there on Wednesday night, the day before Thanksgiving. Hello, RGB from Australia. Hello, hello. Thank you, Mary. I just listened to your interview with Julie Murray, Ed. You are a sensational interview. Thank you. RGB uh, 18. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, my job is very easy uh, when the guests are like Julie. Of course, she's very prepared. And I would say that my guests really, for the most part, do make it pretty easy for me. Pretty, pretty easy. So I appreciate that, RGB. As I, you know, I've done this so many times uh, after seven years. I better be good at interviewing people. I should find something else to do. But that doesn't mean I don't appreciate uh, the kind words. I appreciate it. Thank you. And, of course, Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm probably going to be cooking uh, chicken wings for Thanksgiving. Uh, really nobody to hang out with. My brother and his wife are going to Biloxi, Mississippi in their RV. And so I will probably just have a quiet day at home which is fine by me. Probably get some unfound work done. We'll see what happens. Hopefully all of you are having great times watching football, getting together with friends and family. Um, but I'm, I'm totally cool. I don't want anybody to say, oh, poor Ed. I'm totally cool with it. When I lived in Las Vegas working in entertainment, uh, of course, uh, the show must go on. So I spent most holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, working. So uh, this is not uh, unusual for me to uh, have this kind of holiday. Totally fine. At least, for, I, I guess for Christmas, don't feel too bad for me. 
Uh, I will be in Pennsylvania uh, for Christmas, uh, seeing my dad, seeing my sister, probably seeing my brother, Michael. And so maybe, uh, you know, that kind of stuff will make up for it then. Um, All right. So that's all the personal stuff, I think, out of the way. Is there? uh, I think that is about it. But yeah, uh, this week due to Thanksgiving, it's a little weird. I'm going to go play trivia at Fat Cats tomorrow evening. I may be my myself. Maybe my buddy Kevin will show up like he did last Thursday. But then Wednesday, right now on the schedule is to go, uh, you know, go with uh, karaoke. uh, And um, we'll see. You know, usually Wednesday nights, that night before Thanksgiving is usually a pretty rocking night out there. Uh, So we'll see how it goes. All right, moving on to Unfound Stuff. Uh, the Ashley Higgins poll. It's very unusual disappearance. Not sure if she disappeared in California. Did she disappear in Nevada? I made my case where I think it really, really should be considered that she did not disappear in Las Vegas. And uh, even going back and reading uh, the email that Melissa sent me a couple weeks ago when I was trying to interview her, you know, I stick by what I said, and I have all the respect for Melissa in the world. Uh, I don't want you to think that uh, because I doubt her story that um, I think she's a bad person or that she's trying to mess up the investigation or anything else. I don't think that at all. I think she's just a, a woman who at that time in her life as a girl, as a teenage girl, going through a very, very tough time, a lot of bad things going on, and that can really mess with your mind. And I'm not I'm not even calling her a liar. I think in her mind that I think at this point she maybe doesn't know what to think. I think it's like here she is at a certain age and she's looking back at that time and she's probably thinking, I'm not sure now that that's really what happened. And so I have to go with that. Um... As if you've seen any other places where Ashley's disappearance has been featured, they pretty much go, although it's not, there's not a ton of coverage out there, uh, but you'll see they pretty much ju- just go with the, the, the story that she told, the missile told back in the 1980s. Whereas me, I'm much, you know, I like to look at both. You've heard me ask many people, what did you think when that person went missing? Did you think it was foul play? Did you think that person ran off? But then, as you've heard me do many times, I ask the guests, well, now that all these years have passed, has your opinion changed? That person said something back then, you thought one thing. Do you think the same thing now? And uh, I just think that Melissa in 2023 is a much more believable person than Melissa in 1982 or 83 or 84. That's my assessment. So the poll for this week was that uh, where do you believe Ashley Higgins disappeared from? Did she disappear from Las Vegas or not? It was unanimous, and maybe this is, as I say, sometimes uh, when I um, air my theory on something, it's weird how then suddenly everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people suddenly think the same thing. And unanimous, at least in the group, that... Uh, that she did not disappear in Las Vegas. So it doesn't seem to me that Melissa's story, the story at the time back in the 1980s, is holding a lot of water for these people. 
Now for the Think Tank, which occurs every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. Would love for you to be a member there. Everybody there just has such a great time there. Maybe uh, gift that to yourself for Christmas, or maybe you want to gift it to somebody else. Maybe you're not interested, but you know there's some true crime person out there uh, who might enjoy being part of a very, very selective group, secret, not secret group, secretive group, but secret group. Um, maybe you should sign them up for pay, uh, for the think tag at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast and uh, signing up at the premium level at least $12 a month. Of course, they get a lot of other stuff besides that. Now, you should know for the think tank, uh, there was at least one person. I don't know if he is in here or not, but there was at least one person in the member in the think tank last night that was kind of believing that, yes, really, really could believe that um, Ashley did disappear in Las Vegas. But they, even that might have been a little shaky. But everybody else, I think, felt like I do. That it very well may be true that Ashley disappeared in Las Vegas, but they're not going to believe it because Melissa says so. It's just too, too sketchy. And, you know, just like I said a couple weeks ago when she sent me that email, she just said, you know what? Really love that you're giving Ashley's uh, disappearance attention. I continue to feel horrible about what happened back then. But I just don't think that my memory is good enough now to really talk about what happened back then. I really am not so sure now. So there you go. Uh, so and for, and as you know, for me, I I, ha I have to say I you know and I did the blog once again patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. I'll just keep it very simple to say that weirdly, maybe you have to go through the weeds a little bit to get to it. If you were to put a type, what kind of disappearance is this? think that this is a the man said type of disappearance even though and i'm not saying or the woman said i'm not even saying the man or the woman is melissa uh, i lean more toward lee in all of this as best as we can tell all these years later so what is everybody uh saying rgb sounds like an introvert thanksgiving uh i wish i had a corner bar with karaoke near my place also in florida also nearby me around here uh, are just like, mm, nope, sorry to hear that, Mary. Yeah, and the weird thing is that for a few years running now, this place near me has been rated the best karaoke bar in all of Tampa. And it's even closer to me than where I go to play trivia. I mean, you know, really crazy. Uh, RGB, hey, why well, I understand most cases are American, which makes sense. When we know a country, sometimes an area it helps, however... Any other overseas cases coming up? Um, overseas, no. Not on the agenda right at this second RGB, but I do predict we'll be doing another Canadian disappearance uh, before the end of the year. Don't want to jinx it. But any other overseas disappearances not on the agenda right now. Always open to it. Always ready to talk. 
Uh, as I've stated many times, I'd love to maybe speak to Trevor Dealey's uh, parents. You know, he went missing in Dublin. Um, coincidentally, uh, around Christmas, what was it, 20 years ago or something? Uh, that's one that I've considered, but I've not hooked up with his parents yet. So there are a few that are on my mind. Just haven't made it happen yet, but uh, it's never it's never something that uh, I would roll out. Of course, we did a disappearance in New Zealand just within the last, what, four months. And, of course, we went over to Wales as well with uh, um, Heather Grotman coming on and talking, which I thought was a fa- another fantastic episode. So very open to it. Hello, Lori. Your Cowboys are doing pretty well there, Lori. Happy for you. Mary, I like boring, calm Thanksgiving at home with my son, fiance, and other. We'll make something good. I bet you will, Mary. Uh, Australian, we don't have thanks, but giving, uh, but yep, I'm with you. Okay, yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving is a particular uh, unique uh, thing to the United States, uh, much like July 4th. Hello, Jill. What's going on, Jill? Got your message earlier today, Jill. Um, she, uh, RGB says she didn't get to Las Vegas. Speaking of, Ashley Jill says Taylor Granger, please. Yeah, that Jill, that's the one you tagged in the group. Isn't that the guy who talked about UFOs and everything? I'll give it a shot. Um, give it a shot. Uh, 1 PM Tuesday. So many times don't match up. Do you take donations or maybe just become a member? Uh, we take donations at paypal.me forward slash unfound podcast right there at the top of the chat, RGB. Uh, we certainly do. And I would uh, deeply appreciate it. If you want to do just something that way, or you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. We take all sorts of different uh, currencies here at the podcast. Um, or you can just become a member uh, at the YouTube channel by hitting the join button. You could do that as well. Uh, all right. Some other things regarding unfound. Uh, I know this is, <coughs> oh my goodness. Um, I know this is way off in the distance, but you know that uh, Christmas and New Year's falls on, they fall on a Monday this year. So, of course, I'm not going to be doing a live show on Christmas Day. Not sure at this point. We may just skip that week. week. I may move it to Tuesday. Just remember, I will be in Pennsylvania for this. And um, just aren't sure right now. I, I could certainly we could certainly do a, a live show on Chris or on New Year's Day. That that's no big deal. But for Christmas Day, that seems weird. So not sure what I'm going to do. But don't be surprised if I just decide to take that week off. On the other hand, if there's big true crime news happening that week and stuff going on with disappearances being solved or anything, I think I will feel compelled. I will feel, I will be compelled to do a show on, uh, you know, on Tuesday or something, but surely not on Christmas day. Just wanted to, uh, talk to you all about that. Um, Twink, I've learned so much about disappearances in the think tank. I highly recommend you join us. There you go. There's, uh, a think tank member there, RGB Twinkle. Also, uh, coming up in December, uh, this is just going to be a few weeks from now, 
It looks like I am going back to Colorado again. Um, I am going to be taking part in this TV show. It's going. I, I guess we might call it a mini series regarding, uh, of course, uh, this company that I've talked about for a while from the UK that is going to be doing this short series, like a three-episode series on the murder of Janelle Matthews and the conviction of Steve Pankey. Uh, oh, since about February of 2022, I've been talking to this company. I have provided them a lot of materials. Uh, of course, they have access to the uh, to the interview, the episode, like everybody does. But I've sent them uh, notes that I took at the time, the interview outline that I uh, had with Steve, a lot of the research that I did on my own in preparing for uh, the, um, you know, the, me interviewing him in October of 2019, man, that seems like yesterday. I, uh, sent them the transcripts of my parts of the trial. They may have the total transcripts for all I know at this point, but I sent them transcripts of my parts for both trials. Cause I've gotten both. I've posted those for everybody to see, but I've also sent them. And even more recently, I have uh, sent them the letters, or haven't sent the letters themselves, but pictures of the letters that I've received from Steve. So it very well may be that all of this ends up getting put into this series. This is the agreement that I had with them. Now, you may remember that in August, I was interviewed for something else that is separate from that. And I was able to do that because my contract with this company had already run out at that time. But for that, uh, I did not give them anything. I provided no materials to them or anything else. And I talked to them for a couple hours and that was this. So this is something way, way totally different that is going to be uh, very in-depth. I would anticipate the most in-depth coverage of Janelle's Matthew uh, Janelle Matthews murder and Steve Pankey's trial that will probably ever be done. And I realized there was that thing on Amazon and everything else. Uh, I anticipate that this will be more in depth than that. I don't know if it's going to really going to get to the bottom of whether uh, Steve actually did it or not, <laughs> but and uh, yes, if you want to know, yes, the production company does know that I have my doubts about it and uh we'll see where it all goes but so sometime in early december i will be freezing my tootsies off in colorado again and uh this is going to kind of go along with my travel to pennsylvania as well depending on how what the schedule is and everything so there you go thought you'd want to know about that all right, let's get into um, some of the news items, and I'll go back to some unfound stuff later. Uh, yes, I definitely think, and whether you celebrate or not, kids in public school. New Zealand case was interesting. Thank you, RGB. Um, Mary says, I will check out the think tank. This uh, may be a dim question, but how do I access the think tank? Well, first of all, you got to sign up to Patreon. Patreon uh, forward com forward slash unfound podcast. And you have to sign up at the $12 a month level or above. And then what you will happen is you will automatically get access that will kind of like behind a paywall. You will then be let into 
everything you get for that level. And you will see how there are links there and all sorts of other things, things that you can't see right now because you're not a member. But it's all pretty straightforward, Mary, once you sign up. Uh, as, uh, of course, Tech Kathy's in there, Twinkle's in there. Sheree, of course, know how, knows how that all works. Um, it's pretty straightforward once you sign up. Uh, Charlie says, beautiful time to be in Colorado. Don't play around with me, nephew. Uh, I hope it plays in the United States. It will. Uh, Macy, I think it will. That's a good question. I don't know if uh, this series is going to play in the UK, in the United States, all over the world. That's a good question. I've never asked them. That's funny. Maybe I should. All right, let's move on to this. Donald, Donna Adelson. This happened right after last week's show, inconveniently. This, of course, has to do with the murder of Dan Markell. We know several people have gone to jail for conspiring to murder him in 2014. And there's always been this belief out there that more than just uh, the brother was involved in this. Well, it turns out, that uh, the mother of a Florida dentist who was convicted in a murder for hire plot over a custody dispute was arrested Monday night. So as this show was happening last Monday, this was going on on allegations linked to the 2014 killing uh, court and jail record show. Donna Sue Adelson was being held in a Miami jail on suspicious of suspicion of murder and other crimes after she booked November 13th airline tickets with her husband to Vietnam. So it seems that night she was supposed to be flying to Vietnam. Of course, there's no direct flight, I don't think, from Miami to Vietnam. So you'd have to go here and go there and to get there. But uh, somebody obviously tipped authorities off or were they trailing her? Were they keeping tabs on her or something? I really don't know. But she had these tickets with her husband. Her husband was going with her. And, of course, Vietnam does not have an extradition treaty with the United States. In fact, many countries do not have one with the United States. After Charles Adelson's November 6th conviction in the 2014 murder of his former brother-in-law, Florida State University law professor Dan Markell, Donna, Donna Adelson was captured on recorded phone calls to her son's jail telling him that she was considering leaving the country. Can't be talking about, don't, you know, don't these people know that all that stuff is recorded? Don't they know that? And even for me, even the, you know, um, even for me, uh, writing letters to Steve, I know that those letters get read. I really don't care. Uh, and I realize I know that the letters he's writing to me are read because I'm not his lawyer. There's no privilege or anything like that. And so I know my letters to him get read. His letters to me get read. Why Donna Adelson that wasn't on her mind for all this, I don't know. Uh, in the calls, the warrant says Donna Sue Adelson is telling Charles Adelson that she is getting things in order, creating trust and making sure her grandchildren are taken care of. Donna discusses plans for a suicide, but also discusses plans to flee to a non-extradition country. I don't, you know, why she chose Vietnam, I don't know. Uh, there, I, you can go Google the list. I mean, there's many, 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 many countries that do not have extradition treaties with the United States. In fact, a lot of countries you think would, don't. Why she picked Vietnam, I don't know. Uh, she could have gone to Cuba. You know, you, Americans can go to Cuba now 
it's only 90 minutes, and I'm guessing there's a direct flight from Miami to there. I don't know. Uh, Donna Sue Adelson has considerable financial resources to accomplish this, the warrant says. She and her husband were taken into custody at Miami International Airport. Uh, um, to, uh, that's what the attorney said. Um, it says that her husband was not arrested. I think that's interesting. She was arrested. Husband not arrested. In addition to a first-degree murder charge, Donna Adelson was also accused of solicitation and conspiracy. The warrant says Donna Adelson and her husband had the means to finance Markel's killing and provide ongoing compensation to Catherine Magwana, Magwana, an ex-girlfriend of Charlie Adelson's who was convicted of first-degree murder in the sling uh, last year. Prosecution... Prosecutors had accused Magbona of hiring Sigfrido Garcia, the father of her two children, to carry out the murder. Garcia listed a childhood friend to help. The friend pleaded guilty to second-degree murder in exchange for testifying against Garcia Agmagnua. Having problems with that name. Authorities said the plot hinged on a dispute between Markel and his ex-wife. Okay. After the divorce, Wendy Adelson wanted to move uh, the children from Tallahassee to South Florida to be closer to family, but a judge ruled against her. Donna Adelson repeatedly tried to convince Wendy to coerce Markel into moving across the state. Donna suggested offering Markel $1 million to make the move, with different family members dividing the payment into thirds according to the warrant. I would have taken the money. Donna also suggested that Wendy threatened to convert Markel's children to Catholicism. Knowing Markel was very observant in his Jewish faith and that the religious practices of the children are of the utmost importance to Markel. This is crazy. At a court appearance Tuesday, Donna remained silent while a judge read the charges against her. She, expect, she is expected to be extradited to Leon County, that's up in Tallahassee area, by the end of the month. A lawyer for Donald Adelson did not immediately respond to a request for comment. And as I have written in my notes, she was so concerned about her son that she was going to Vietnam. She must be a piece of work. Um, you know, this is one of those things where as a non-married person, as a person who has never, ever, 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 ever been close to getting married, and I have all the respect in the world for my ex-girlfriends, but you should know most of them are still single too. Um, this is probably something that I can't relate to trying to get along with future in-laws and everything else, but it does occur to me, you know, was Donna Adelson always like this? Uh, as something that I often, you know, it's, it's like a theoretical question, rhetorical question, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I often ask myself as I am analyzing disappearances is that, using Donna Adelson as an example, if somebody would have told Donna Adelson 30 years ago that she would be charged with an accomplice in a murder, of course, maybe not knowing who the, the victim was or anything else, but somebody from the future, from 2023, goes back to 1993, whatever she was doing at the time, and saying, Donna, in 2023, you are going to be charged as an accomplice in a murder. We, I got to believe that Donna would have said, that's crazy. I would never do something like that. 
But here we are, of course, just charges. That doesn't mean she's going to be found guilty. Of course, a lot of you have believed that she should have been charged a long time ago. You actually absolutely believed that she was the instigator about this, really pushing this forward, that it wasn't Charlie or Charles Adelson or even Wendy who came up, Wendy who came up with this idea. But Donna, this is something a lot of you believed. I don't know if I've exactly been on the train, but I've certainly talked to some of you about it. Um, you know, she had been told 30 years ago, you know, you're going to murder someone. You're not going to actually murder the person yourself, but you're going to be an instigator, at least be charged with that. I'm sure Donna would have said that's crazy, but here we are in 2023 and she's plotting to go to Vietnam and everything else. This is just how life goes sometimes, I guess. And this also shows uh, you know, hubris, pride, vanity, all those deadly sins that, um, you know, we, we take those steps and there's, we get ourselves into a very, very dark place, maybe not being charged with murder, but one day we wake up and we say, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing? But you look back maybe at the last year or five years or 10 years and 20 years and you really can't see the mistake. That made sense. 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 But here I am, and this doesn't make sense. It's, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Is, has there been a novel written about that or a movie or something? Uh, this, these kind, this kind of stuff is always fascinating uh, to me. Uh, and I, I think that I've talked about this before on the live show in other circumstances where seeming normal normal people otherwise get knee deep, neck deep in something. And you wonder if they could have ever predicted this 10, 20, 30 years ago. So we're all sitting here saying, you know, there's no way that I would ever be connected to a murder. I would never do something like that. Well, I think that most people you know, say that at one time, but some of those people do end up being involved in murders. And that, you know, that's kind of the one of the things I think we've learned with Unfound is I like to remind everybody, a lot of these disappearances where we believe that the husband caused the wife's disappearance, I'm pretty sure that if you'd have told the, that husband 20 years before that, you know what, 20 years from now, you're going to murder your wife. The guy would say, I'd never do that. that I, can't, I can't believe you're saying that to me. That's not me. I would never do that. Because a lot of these guys don't have criminal records before or after. A lot of these guys were seen as decent, decent people. But here we are thinking that they did something that no human should ever do. It's a fact. I don't know why it is. It's just a fascinating uh, topic uh, to me. Uh, thank you, Shri. Um, let me see here. Uh, Shri, uh, saying the think tank is a great, awesome community. Thank you, Shri. It's true. Uh, stop off in Dubai. She was talking about the plans to Charlie and Jerry Carter. Yeah, as I read, thank you, uh, Shri. So the flight was going to go from Miami to Dubai to Vietnam. Okay. I don't think Dubai has an extradition treaty with the United States there. I, I think... You know, I'd rather be in Dubai than Vietnam. That's me. Uh, that's exactly what we were thinking. How could she be so dumb? How could they be so dumb? 
Perhaps Donna was going to jump off in Dubai. It was a stop along the way. They twinkled. Great minds think alike. Sure, especially after the wire conversation helped convict her. Vietnam was a recommendation from Charlie. Okay, so she was not the one. Okay, very good. So weird. It's like she exactly enough. She said exactly enough to totally fill them in. What a crazy turn of events. It is. Um, you know, and the thing is, you, you got to believe that she knew what the public was saying about there. She could not be totally clueless to the idea that there were many, 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 many people out there thinking that, you know, that she did know what was going to happen. In fact, she might have even put the plan in motion. She had to know a lot of the public were thinking like that, even though I don't know if there was any evidence against her, but surely now there is. And she gave it to them. It's like a Columbo episode. Uh, Sheree says, Mag Bonawa. Thank you for that, Sheree. I'm totally clueless. Thank you. Twinkle, so weird that the husband has not been arrested. Was he not aware of all the money being spent on the hit? But law enforcement may, may have plans to deal with Don and then get him next. Maybe. So she was arrested for murder, but her husband, Charlie's dad, was not involved or linked. Uh, he's not been arrested yet, Mary. Uh, Don is one of the most disgusting people I've ever read about, Twinkle says. Sheree, I think a lot of things were kept from Harvey. He definitely was aware, but proving it going to be tough, Harvey being the, the husband. Um, Twinkle says Donald's one of those people who do whatever it takes to get her way, including murder. Uh, it's, you know, I like to win as much as anybody and I can be very competitive and everything, but do you think that that she was like that her whole life or did she, do you think Twinkle that she just became that way when her daughter couldn't get to do what her daughter wanted to do? Don is the mastermind, Sheree said, opinion. Yes, Twinkle, good question. The case is so intriguing, all the developments from the start years ago all the way to now. Spiteful people will go to great lengths to cover up. Uh, uh, Sheree, getting a one-way ticket out of the country after you're implicated in a murder does not look good. It certainly doesn't, Sure. Yeah, for people in prison, one in jail, waiting for trial, custody. Hello, Ashley, what's going on? Good to see you. Good evening. I think Don has always been that way. So Twinkle's buying in. She would have done this 30 years ago. She would have done this as a teenager. Okay. So that is the Donna Adelson story. Very, very bad. And, of course, this all sets up for, uh, you know, the, they're going to be able to play that. If she does go to trial, if she doesn't take a plea, they're going to be able to play that at the trial. Big, big trouble for Donna Adelson, but maybe what she deserves. I don't know. It's trouble for her, and uh, maybe it's justice for the rest of us and justice for Dan's side of the family. You know, and that's, um, you know, I'm guessing the Dan's side of the family has talked about this, but I haven't seen them quoted or, you know, regarding anything regarding the. Donna being charged, maybe they've felt the same way that she was the mastermind the whole time. Yeah, looks bad, Mary says. Reminded me of the Pike County, Ohio, Ohio family, uh, the sickness of them all and how they attempted to hide in Alaska. Yeah, that was the uh, murder massacre from some years ago where the instant online uh, social media sphere started saying, oh, this looks like 
Uh, a drug gang did this. And then what do we find out? It all has to do with the custody of a child and allegations of sexual abuse and everything. Uh, as we continue to say, relationships, they are a killer. All right, moving on. Um, I want to talk about Guatemala. I don't think we've ever talked about the country of Guatemala on the live show or the podcast or Unfound Now or anywhere. I think this is the first time Guatemala has ever been a topic in the last seven years. This is about a woman from San Bernardino who went missing there while kayaking. The last person to see a missing Monterey Park woman at a yoga retreat in Guatemala is speaking publicly for the first time through her attorney. To say my client hasn't done all she can is not true, said attorney Christopher Gardner. Gardner represents Christina Blazik, a San Bernardino County public defender. So the this is a, so a lawyer representing a lawyer who attended the same retreat as Nancy Ng. She has been accused of maintaining her silence despite pleas from the missing woman's family to speak with her. The 29-year-old hasn't been seen since October 19th when she left on a kayak excursion excursion with a yoga group on Lake Atalan in Guatemala. My client did not go anywhere near Ng with Ng. They happened upon each other on the lake, said Gardner. While on the lake, Blazik's attorney said the two women chatted and eventually Ng said she wanted to go for a swim. My client tried to tell her not to swim because it was rough out there and that there was a good current, the lawyer said. According to Blazik, the warning went ignored. Ying went into the water and the process pushed her kayak away, which Blazik then tried to retrieve. She kept one leg in her kayak and one leg in the other kayak and tried to get it back to her and got close to her. And then apparently she lost the kayak again and she turned around to go back to the kayak again. And when she turned her back around, Miss Ying was gone. Uh, Gardner says Blazik went for help and a distress call was called out. As for rumors that Blazik fled Guatemala, Guatemala in the hours after the incident, her in- attorney says that's not the case. Gardner told eyewitnesses his client spoke to local authorities and tried to tell them where to look, but she was not familiar with the lake. She was told she needed to talk to the police. And she went and gave a full statement to Guatemalan police. They told her there was nothing that could be done. Apparently that lake is known for having people drown on it or in it. Blazik's account of events is the first time Ng's family says they've heard of it. It is like she says, and it is an accident. I don't understand how she could choose to leave my family in the dark for almost four weeks and not just say from the start, said Nikki Ng, Nancy's younger sister. Ng's family said they attempted to reach Blazik after the incident, first by giving her number to the yoga instructor in charge of the group, then through other contacts. They say they sent two separate emails dated October 25th and 31st. They say Blazik, by the way, that's B-L-A-Z-E-K, didn't respond to any of their pleas for information. We're not blaming anyone or accusing anybody of anything. All we want is answers, and we want to bring Nancy home, says Ng, said Ng, the sister. Blazik's attorney says his client was traumatized by the experience and needed time. They They tell her they understand she's been through a traumatic experience, but then they tell her she needs to come forward to assist authorities, and they say in the same email, she doesn't come forward, they'll make her come forward, says Gardner. Yeah, it's a fine line. The Ng family does not deny that the email they sent on October 31st contained a threat to compel Blazek. In the email shared with Eyewitness News, the family questions why Blazek was refusing to speak with them and asks 
to help them understand what happened to Nancy. The email ends with the family start stating if she refused to cooperate, they would pursue the matter. Even so, the Ng family is still hoping to hear directly from Blazik. I hope she can understand that we have no account of what happened because she's the only person that saw what happened and it wasn't included in the report. Meanwhile, the FBI released a statement saying witnesses have been speaking with investigators. At this time, the FBI is not aware of any evidence of foul play and witnesses have been cooperative with authorities. The FBI is offering resources, the Guatemalan authorities to help in the search. The Ng family has hired a search team to try and find Nancy. Um, let me see what everybody's saying and then I'll get into this. Um, all the developments going back to the, to the, uh, Dan Markell murder from start years all the way. Spiteful people go to great lengths to cover up. Right. Uh, Charlie getting one, a one way ticket out of the country after your yeah, does not look good Four people in prison and in jail waiting for trial for custody. Uh, yes, looks so bad. Reminding me, uh, she probably always been spiteful. Mary says, makes uh, Donald Allison makes people do things her way. Uh, Ashley is asking how everybody's doing tonight. What's going on? Hi, Ashley. Okay. Going back to this Nancy Ng. Um, I have right in my notes. This is why the media sucks. <laughs> and I know I'm part of the media and, uh, They uh, they run, you know, very quickly to, you know, they want to see something where nothing is. Uh, surely, if you go back uh, to how this story has been covered over the past three weeks, well, you know, you'll even find articles written back at the early earlier this month that the kayak group, you know, hurried their way out of Guatemala, Guatemala and the authorities were trying to talk to them, but they took off and it all seemed very suspicious that they all know what happened to her and they wanted to get out of there. And I don't think that the United States has an extradition treaty with Guatemala either, by the way, either way that they can't be compelled to go back to Guatemala if they don't want to, I don't think, but this is, I mean, certainly I guess something of a foul play nature could have happened but the way the story has been written basically since day one really, really, really is trying to get everybody to think, yeah, that something of a foul play nature did happen when there's surely no proof of that. Uh, you know, as I said, there, you'll find reports saying that the tour group hightailed it out of there, that they were acting strangely, that they were still in the country but couldn't be reached. They were ignoring, you know, from you know calls and things from the authorities while they were still in the country. Uh, this is everything that is bad about crime reporting that goes on uh, now. It surely is, and um, it's clear to me that nothing. I, I hey, I will tell you, I get it. Why this Blazek woman, let me get her first name, uh, Christina Blazek, we can perfectly understand why she acted the way she did, especially considering now that we know that she's a lawyer. Because here are how these things go. If she goes to the family directly and says, you know what, here's what happened. And it's just as, as I read in this story. She's going to find – she could find herself in – not in criminal court, but in civil court because she didn't do enough to save Nancy. 
She could. Now, I this is one of those things, what responsibility do we have to save people? It seems clear to me that Nancy was doing something, the missing woman was doing something that probably should not have been done. I've not looked at this lake. I don't even know where I, I could maybe pick Guatemala out on a map. That's about it. But there's a reason they send you out in kayaks. There's a reason you're not, for example, water skiing on that lake. But according to, to Christina, if we're to believe her, Nancy wanted to do something. I, I mean, what are we saying? Do we really believe that they got out there and uh, Christina bopped her over the head with one of the oars from the kayak and Nancy went into the war, war, drowned? I guess it's certainly conceivable. But, I mean, really. But she knows, uh, you know, might put her in civil court if she starts saying that, yeah, I saw Nancy doing, she shouldn't have been doing, you know, she shouldn't have been doing, and maybe I didn't take enough actions to stop her. Whereas I think, you know, how far are we really supposed to go? This is no different than, you know, here I live right on the beach. And I got the Gulf of Mexico out there. Now, fortunately, the Gulf of Mexico most of the time is a pretty, pretty, pretty tame body of water. You look out there and there are hardly ever any waves coming into shore. Only when we have a hurricane or something like, like a tropical storm. Otherwise, you don't hear too much, you know, I don't know about rip currents and things like that. But if I'm standing out in my balcony, and there's no lifeguards out here, by the way. No lifeguards where I am. There are lifeguards up. In, uh, in Sand Key Park, just north of here, they have lifeguards up on Clearwater Beach north of me. But where I live, swim at your own risk. And so if I'm out in my balcony and somebody goes out in the water and there's nobody else around, that person goes way out there and starts drowning, what responsibility do I have? Now, I'm a decent swimmer, but I've never been a lifeguard or anything. And um, certainly, probably I should call 911. But is it really my responsibility to, you know, hustle down the stairs or elevator and, and try to run out there before this person drowns? Probably not. And in fact, probably what's most likely going to happen, as we've seen many times, one person is out there drowning. Another person goes out there with any kind of other, you know, flotation device. And guess what? They both end up. And I'm sure that was probably going with in through Christina Blazik's mind as she's watching this woman, according to her, go into the water doing something she shouldn't be doing. But, and you know, and me, you know, I identify, I, well, I don't identify with them, but I really try to help fi- families out. I try to understand them. Uh, but even in a case like this, I know that families who are traumatized and everything else they're looking for anyone to blame. And this is uh, as I've um, you know, stated a, a few times here and there that one of the biggest conversations I have with guests off the record is, you know, about blame. You know, they all, you know, 95% of the guests that appear on Unfound want somebody to blame. They think that it's foul play, whereas me. We know that that percentage is not that high. 
but they want somebody to blame. It's all part of the grieving process. It's part of the trauma and everything else. But that doesn't mean, though, that innocent people who don't have life-scaving skills and everything are supposed to jump in the water after others who went into the water, you know, against their better judgment. And then added on top of everything else, I'm sure that Christina was following the news on this and how it was being written all over uh, the United States because an American goes uh, missing in Guatemala and the entire kayaking group is being thrown under the bus by the media. And Christina saying, I don't want to be part of that. So... It's really horrible. Uh, it very well may be that Christine Blazek, Christina Blazek is lying. I don't know. I wasn't there. And certainly if uh, this this woman, very sadly, uh, if she did drown and um, certainly if they bring her to the surface, they fi- find her somewhere in that lake and they bring her to the surface and if she has like some sort of gash or huge bruise or whatever across her head, and it looks like somebody hit her with a kayak or then guess who will be looking up? We'll be looking up Christina Blazik. But other than that, um, I cannot suspect her of anything. And I don't suspect anybody else in this group uh, of um, doing anything either. You know, I re- can remember... You know, maybe I'm just I was much maybe more in tune with this when I lived in Las Vegas with Lake Mead being there. Of course, Lake Mead when it had more water. But it seemed like every weekend you would get a story coming out of Lake Mead about somebody drowning. Every weekend. Maybe not every day, but every week, especially during the summer. You would get a story about somebody going out there and drowning. Yeah, a lot of times it has to do with alcohol and drugs. Somebody, you know, as I've said many, many times, drunk people can't swim. But these people are drowning among friends. And there's boats. I mean, you see Lake Mead on a weekend, man, there's boats all over the place. Still, these people drown. And Lake Mead isn't really known for being that rough either. Of course, they never have thunderstorms or, you know, anything like that there. So these things happen. They're very, very sad. So if a woman, if uh, somebody can drown, drowned or drown uh, in a ve- on a very busy lake like Lake Mead, you know, just there one second, gone the next, and people are diving in trying to find the person, and that person may not be found for days then certainly a woman who is going out in a kayak on a lake in Guatemala can drown and it not be suspicious either. Certainly tragic. So I predict, I got to believe that they'll eventually find her body. I don't know why they haven't found it yet. It's been some weeks now, but we know, uh, you know, it's not exactly predictable that a body is going to float or stay down at the bottom. You know, is there a river that leads out of the lake? These are things I don't know. But I think they eventually will find her, and I don't fully believe that this is foul play at all. So um, Ashley is asking a question. What does everybody – what's everyone's favorite thing about Thanksgiving? 
Uh, I'll answer that. I don't know if anybody else has answered that yet, Ashley, but I will answer that. Um, the stuffing, even though I know I'm not supposed to eat it. Uh, probably of the food, the stuffing, you know, me and my um, digestive system is very, very touchy these days. Uh, that's probably the stuffing as far as things you eat. And, um, you know, it just kind of begins the whole holiday season feeling and everything, which I think everybody enjoys. I think that's probably the best thing for me, uh, Ashley. So that's uh, Ashley's typing that a few times. Uh, maybe somebody else will answer you, Ashley, now that I've answered you. Mary says, oh, that doesn't sound good. Sad all the way around, but doesn't completely stink of foul play yet. Maybe some negligence, but not the same. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll have something against a kayak company. You know, send a bunch of uh, beginners or something out on a lake with kayaks, and then one of them drowns. Maybe there might be something like that there, but I don't know. Um, on text, yep, large USA expatriate community in Vietnam. Is that right? I wouldn't have guessed that. Uh, Texas time, uh, of course, Vietnam, a former enemy of the United States, but funny enough, we get along probably better with Vietnam <laughs> these days than we do with China and some other giving some things that are going on in that area of the world. Uh, Vietnam has actually asked the United States for help. Who would have thunk it uh, 50 years ago? Uh, RGB says, didn't get married until 44, Ed. I'm 48 now, but there's still time. Well, uh, no need uh, to think about such things, RGB. Hey, Fairy's here. Jill's back. Ashley's really, um, yeah, Lisa's answering. Uh, there you go. I'm get, you're getting some answers now, Ashley. Uh, what is everybody's favorite pie? Uh, pumpkin, pumpkin pie, although I should not eat it, Ashley. Food, yeah, sweet potatoes. All three of my kids being home. Favorite pie, maybe. There, you're getting some answers, Ashley. Happy to help you out. So that is the disappearance of Nancy Ng. Uh, very sad, but um, I just don't see any reason to think foul play there. Let's go back to some unfound stuff. As I said on the most recent episode, uh, for all of you Patreon people, uh, for most of you anyway, and then for the YouTube people, the next found episode will be the disappearance and discovery of Agatha Christie. I'm not sure how many. Of course, most people know who Agatha Christie is. And maybe she's a little bit more back on the map now being within the last six years. Maybe some of her books have been made into movies. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express, Death on the Nile. And then just uh, last month, uh, A Haunting in Venice, which really was a, a book called Hello something Halloween or something like that that she wrote, but it was changed the title um, for the movie, all directed by Kenneth Branagh, who also portrays the lead character, Hercule Poirot. Uh, big fan of those movies. Uh, I like the originals going back to the 1970s, Murder on the Orient Express, that one, and then Death on the Nile, both of them. And I like the remakes as well, to be honest. Haven't seen uh, a, a haunting in Venice yet, but it certainly looks creepy. But it seems to have gotten uh, the best reviews of the three most recent Agatha Christie movies. So that really uh, interests me 
because well, they didn't go to the theater to see it, see it uh, because I thought the other two were very good. But I'm going to take a look at The Disappearance of Agatha Christie. I'm going to look at, uh, of course, try to narrow it down as to why she went missing in the first place. We're going to also look at the time where she was missing and maybe anything that was said back at that time, people speculating on where she was and what happened. And then I'll get into her discovery when she came back to civilization and where she was and, um, you know, what exactly was going on with all of this. Of course, there was a, a, a movie uh, hypothesizing about what, why she went missing and everything. I will try to keep it a little more factual based and from just an analysis point of view. And I got to thinking, you know, is there any other, of course, at the time, she's just immensely famous, even when she went missing. And even after she came back, she continued to write and write and write. And she, of course, her fame even grew. But, uh, you know, I was trying to think, are there there any other famous people like that who went missing for a time and then reappeared again? You know, somebody who was really famous. I mean, you know, like a Tom Cruise character or, uh, you know, a, a leader of a country or somebody like that. Maybe some of you can uh, maybe give me some other examples besides Agatha Christie of famous people who went missing and then reappeared and were alive. Uh, we might think of, um, although it's, I guess it's not really the same, like Howard Hughes who, uh, and I'm a big fan of, I'm not a big Martin Scorsese fan, to be honest with you. Uh, but, and it's really weird, my taste. I think The Aviator is like one of the best movies that he made. I realize that people really into Martin Scorsese think that's one of his weaker efforts. Me, to me, it's one of uh, his best movies as far as my taste. I love, you know, any, of course, anything about aviation and quirky people, especially if they're real people is going to get my attention and how that all started aviation in the United States flying around the world and, and all of that with him. And of course, being that I lived in Las Vegas for a time where he lived and lived at the top of the desert in for all those years that maybe I have that connection here. He really didn't disappear. Everybody knew where he was. It's just, he wasn't make himself public because uh, a lot of mental issues that he ended up having. So I really don't ever see myself doing a found episode for all of you YouTube and Patreon people on uh, Howard Hughes because he really didn't go missing. He was just took himself out of the limelight and preferred it that way. And there were just people who did his business for him. And But if you wanted to get into crazy, it is crazy, crazy, crazy how rich he was. Crazy. And I realized that it was really his father who invented that drill for oil rigging and he inherited all that money. I mean, when you start doing the change for inflation to what Howard Hughes would have been worth today, I mean, it's up there like Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, like, you know, Saudi Arabian shakes money. I mean, it is crazy, crazy, crazy money what he would have been worth today. It's it's crazy. So, um, but yeah, the next found episode 
would be um, Agatha Christie. And like I said, if you have any other famous people, athletes or whoever who went missing, maybe for weeks, for a month, maybe half a year or something, and then all of a sudden popped up on the radar again, uh, I'd certainly like to know about any of those people and maybe we could make them a future found episode. But that's probably what causes Agatha Christie's situation to stand out so much because it is so rare so rare um lisa's uh, i love yeah everybody's answering now fantastic pumpkin pie sweet potatoes with marshmallow man i uh twinkle i am not a marshmallows fan not a really a, my mother used to make the best sweet potatoes twinkle but just a little too sweet for me, if you can believe it. Fairy says being with her boys for uh, with the boys for Thanksgiving. Text time. I like turkey, mayo, and tomato sandwich. Oh man, me too. Uh, Shri, I enjoy the food. But other than that, I'll have to hang out with my ex and her family. Look at you, Cherie. Uh, so changing my answer, spending time with my kids. Lisa says. Twinkle says for Thanksgiving one year we took the leftovers and made waffles out of them. Turkey and dressing, they were delicious. That is fantastic, Twinkle. Uh, Stitching, what's going on? I'm doing great. How are you? Where you been? Where you been? You used to be a constant fixture in this live show. Stitch, Stitching, where you been? I see you on Facebook. Good, good to see you. Cherie says, love the aviator. Yeah, Twinkle, that would be a cool project for us to do. All right, Twinkle. Don't ask me to put you in, in charge of it. <laughs> All right. Uh, as far as the next Unfound Now, I'll be doing an Unfound Now looking at a recent disappearance uh, of, uh, of course, uh, just your average person out there who's gone missing. I've not picked that person out yet, but like I said, I have picked out the next Found episode, and that will be Agatha Christie. Uh, what else? Any Unfound? Oh, yeah. Uh, somebody wanted me to answer this question tonight. And, you know, why did I and Unfound get mentioned during this uh, press conference that Adam Turner had uh, last week? You know, what did you have to do with that, Ed? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I had gotten notice a couple days before the that uh, happened that somebody had emailed me telling me that unfound was going to be mentioned, but I have, to, I have to admit that I was, um, really when I got the email, I actually had to look up who this penny Prable doe was. I had to, uh, to be honest with you. And so you're probably wondering, well then Ed, why did you get mentioned? Uh, you know, during the press conference when uh, Detective Adam Turner thanked you. Of course, he thanked John Lorden. He thanked a lot of different true crime productions in there. Well, you have to remember that uh, the reason I know Adam Turner is not because of that, this unidentified remains that were finally identified recently, of course, I know Adam Turner because he appeared on Unfound a few years ago to talk about the disappearance of Mary Jane Van Gilder. And we have to remember that there was a belief at a time that this these remains that were found could be 
Mary Jane Van Gilder. And so there was, uh, you know, and of course, uh, the irony in all of this is that for all of these years, since the remains were found years and years and years and years ago, the thinking was that the remains were of a woman. So it's in the same area, it's in Ohio, you know, maybe it's her. And given that the time frame when the remains were found was way back in like the 1960s, maybe this was all starting to come together and it maybe looked like the remains had been, you know, there for quite a while. And we know that Mary Jane Van Gilder went, just went missing, what, 1945, like right toward the end of World War II. And so it all kind of comes together. Woman remains, Mary Jane Van Gilder is missing in the area. It's not been solved. And so this might be her or might be she to use correct English. But the irony was it wasn't a woman at all. It ended up being a guy. And it just turned out that this guy who ended up being Albert Allen Frost was just not that big of a guy. He must have been pretty tiny for them to think that it was a woman. But I think this also shows how inaccurate all of this can be. And although I've not talked about it recently, I've made the point uh, at one point to say that when you look at NamUs, you know, when you go, of course, for me, I'm going to the missing persons part of NamUs, where the missing people are. Whereas I realize a lot of people use NamUs the exact opposite way. They're going to the unidentified remains of NamUs. And as I've stated, you really, really, really got to be careful about that because a lot, there are probably, and this is not because anybody is doing a lazy job or, or just getting things on, wrong on purpose or just making things up. I got to believe that there are a lot of mistakes on names in the unidentified remains section. This proves it. They've had these remains for a long time. Looking at them, I don't know, you know, how complete they were or anything, but everybody seemed convinced that it was a woman or at least, you know, a, a, you know, a teenager, a teenage female or an adult woman ended up being a guy. And uh, they knew that it seems to me in reading the stories that they knew it was a guy before they knew that it was Albert, Albert Allen Frost because of, you know, looking for the, in the DNA, looking for that Y chromosome they found. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a guy. And I'll admit, never heard of him. Never heard of the case until I got this re news release from like the beginning of last week or maybe even the week before that, oh yeah, there's going to be this conference this uh, press conference and Adam's going to be speaking and you're going to get mentioned and everything else. And it's just because if you're wondering and you're asking, it's just because they were thinking this was Mary Van Jane Van Gilder. And of course I, along with many other productions have uh, publicized her disappearance. And of course now, you know, that, disappearance is still unsolved. They thought they were going to solve that. Instead, they solved something totally different that they didn't expect. This is just how it works out sometimes. Um, I don't know how often this happens, but it probably happens more than we think. Probably does. I just don't know if they are such high-profile mistakes 
as this one grew to be, uh, you know, with Alan getting up there or Adam getting up there and just admitting, yeah, I thought it was a guy but or woman, but it ended up being a guy. And I give him all the credit in the world, owning up. You know, we just got it wrong, but now his family knows. And, uh, you know, now that mystery is not with them, that family anymore. Now, it's also, though, obvious to me, well, then we're baby saying, well, you know, he he was found and why didn't this maybe pop up when it happened and they found the remains? Why wasn't he on there? Whether they thought it was a man or a woman or not, why wasn't he, uh, his disappearance maybe connected to this long, long time ago, even before DNA came out? Well, one of the reasons is because his family didn't know he was missing. And this is something uh, that, that I talked about with the found episode from last month regarding, regarding Lori Ruff is that I think one of the reasons that she was able to pull off uh, changing ideas and every, you know, her, her um, identification, her, you know, becoming somebody new is because there was nothing ever written about her going missing when she went missing back in the 1980s. That certainly helped her pull off that ruse as long as she did. Same thing with Albert Allen Frost. He was, uh, I think he might've been a, a World War II vet. And it did seem like he had some problems. Maybe he had PTSD from his service or something like that, but he was known to be kind of transient here, there, everywhere. Didn't have a constant job or anything like that. Um, and then when people didn't see him anymore, they just thought, well, maybe he took off. Maybe he jumped on a, a train and headed for the West Coast or something. That's not what happened. And so we just have to remember this regarding disappearances as a whole. Yes, we realize that NamUs is not complete. The Charlie Project is not complete. There's that. Uh, that new kind of newer site uh, that, that I would say is kind of ripping off a lot of different sites, including the Charlie Project that is now has a huge database. Those databases are only good as the people entering the information. They're only good as the people filling out the reports. They're only as good as people going, you know, filling out the information and saying, yes, John Doe is missing. They're only good as all of that. and. You can't expect to solve disappearances logically when you don't know that the pit person was missing in the first place. Now, this happened, but this was luck. And, uh, and the whole time they were so – no offense to Adam or anybody else, but everybody you know, was kind of in the dark about the, you know, the, these remains, thinking that this was a, uh, a young woman or an adult woman, and it wasn't. So, um, but that's why I got uh, mentioned because really this was all came about because of the married Van, Jane Van Gilder work. And I think he was just thanking everybody who has assisted him on that, even though that disappearance is still unsolved. Maybe he just felt that thank you for the support. And I would not say that I've spoken to Adam a lot since he appeared on Unfound. But uh, I did 
um, send him a message after the press conference was done telling him, you know, I know it's not easy to get up in front of those people and speak and everything, but I thought you did a great job and thank you for mentioning uh, Unfound. And if there's anything more that I can do, I will certainly do it. So let's see what everybody is um, saying here. Uh, Ozzy went missing for a while. Did he? Did he, Sheree? I'll have to look that up. That would be an interesting one. Casey Kasem and Dennis Quaid. They both went missing for a time. Uh, you've looked these up, Sheree? That's weird. Uh, that's awesome. Mr. Turner's class act. One of my favorite episodes. Don't usually like cops, but he was very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I got to say my experience. Adam is cut from a different kind of police cloth. That is certainly true. Uh, stitching. Well, you moved to Monday and well, the dive bars have me, the dive bars have you on Monday night. So I'm sorry to hear that stitching. Well, please watch yourself stitching. What do you think of the Delphi case and the students that were killed? Uh, stitching just off the top of my head. Um, uh, I'm still not sure they have the right person. This still seems like there's a lot more to be done before this ever gets to a trial or anything. Um, you know, I'm not, uh, I have to admit, I'm not inclined to believe all this, uh, Odinism and, you know, and all this stuff that's come out. Of course, the guy has lost his lawyers just recently and you know, he has to get new lawyers and everything. I, I just really don't know what to think, but I don't think that we've uh, seen the end of all of the, you know, unique, crazy stories that, that could come out. Lisa, thank you for the contribution. You are very generous. Uh, thank you, Lisa, on this. Thank you so much. Uh, Stitching Boyfriend said you need to come to Oklahoma and play disc golf with him. Well, I don't know if I'm going to get to Oklahoma stitching, but you should know the PDGA Masters World, so for the old people, is in Kansas in 2024, and tentatively... I'm thinking about going. So Kansas is kind of close to Oklahoma. Uh, Ashley is asking, do you know of any true crime books? Ashley, I'm reading at any cost. It's really good. There you go, Ashley. As a good question, uh, I got an answer there. Of course, I would recommend uh, the Unfound books, but currently they're not on Amazon right now for uh, a couple different reasons. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Let's go to this. I didn't have this. I'm going to get to this missing couple. Probably that'll be the last topic of the night before I talk to you about this Friday's episode. Um, there is a YouTube channel that I go to every day. I wouldn't say I watch the videos every day because there's certainly only type. There's only only a, a type of video that I'm looking for. I don't know if any of you have ever been to the Active Self Protection channel on YouTube run by John Korea. This is a channel where every day he releases a kind of a um, security video of a shootout or some sort of self-defense, something that happened out there. And he, it's all from videos from all over the world that he will play on his channel and he would analyze them. And I stick to just the ones where the bad guys get what coming to them. I don't like watching videos where the, where the good person gets shot or gets raw that at this point I can't take stuff like that. I'm only going to watch it if the bad guy gets what he is coming to him or her. And it kind of varies from day to day. 
But I'm bringing this up, and I might have even mentioned the Active Self-Protection channel before on the live show, maybe. I think the guy does a really good job. I think he seems like a really good guy, and I think he's really trying to help people out watching the channel. Um, you know, be you know, be aware of your surroundings and, and all of that. And he shows what happens if you aren't watching yourself and what can happen very quickly uh, anywhere. But he recently did this video. This, the topic is dogs. You know me and dogs when it comes to disappearances. That I don't have um, a lot of faith in them. Uh, as I continue to say, two-legged animals known as humans find way more missing people than four-legged animals do. And I continue to say that even though dogs are trained, really dogs are no different than us. Who knows what kind of mood they're in from day to day. We as you know, humans are trained to do things every day and still we don't do those things. And we shouldn't treat um, dogs as robots, as computers. They're living animals. They have their own feelings. They have their own thoughts. And yes, you can train them to do all these different things, but still, they have free will. Dogs have free will. Computers don't. Not yet. Andrews don't. Not yet. Well, recently, he put up a video. Uh, it was a car chase that turned into a foot chase. So you have this video, the police car with a dash cam following this guy down the highways, whirling in and out, running against traffic, trying, you know, 100 miles an hour. We've seen it over and over and over. Well, eventually, I forget what happens. Does he hit another car? Does he hit the guardrail? Does a hot tire get blown? I don't remember. Well, what happens is the guy jumps out of his car and decides to run for it. And what happens is there is one of the units that is chasing this guy's a canine unit with a dog. And what you see on the video is the cop with the dog, of course, sends the dog after the bad guy. And what does the dog do? The dog goes after the wrong person. The dog ends up attacking an innocent person. This is a police dog. This isn't some, you know, like we have these dog handlers that are private citizens and, you know, go search for remains. This is a police dog trained by the police. I forget what state it was, what jurisdiction, I don't remember. But you can go to the Active Self-Protection channel, find this video, you can watch it for yourself. This dog was trained to go after bad guys, bad women too. It is let loose after the bad guy. Instead, it goes after an innocent person. If that's not enough, the police, the police officer goes and gets the dog, tries to reset the dog to go after this guy who's still running away, who's still getting chased. And, of course, we know that uh, – yeah, see you, Ashley. Thank you for the questions tonight. Um, uh, yeah, good to see you, Ashley. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Thanks for the questions, everybody putting everybody in Thanksgiving mood. So the dog goes attacks an innocent person. The bad guy who was driving the getaway car, still running down the road or across the berm or whatever else. The cop goes and gets the dog, resets the dog, tries to get the dog to run after the bad guy again. And what does the dog do? It runs off in a totally different direction. At least it doesn't attack anybody this time. 
but it runs off in a different direction as if it saw a squirrel or something. Now, eventually, the bad guy does get caught, but not by the dog. And so there's John Korea, who usually hosts the channel. And once in a while, when it's like cop, you know, badge cam type of stuff, he has a, a retired police officer who assists them doing these videos. And uh, what this retired police officer said is this happens way more than you will ever know. Canine units, canine police officers being released after bad guys and going after the wrong person. He says it happens more than you'll ever know. Usually what happens is the canine officer gets a lot, a lot, as long as, of course, the guy, the bad guy gets caught, nobody gets killed or anything. It doesn't end up in some tragedy. Afterwards, the cops usually make quite a bit of fun of the canine officer and what his dog did or her dog did. But he says this happens often. It's just we never see it, maybe because the police don't want us to see it. And uh, this is just something, though, that got out for some reason. I have to admit, as many videos as I've watched over the years on YouTube regarding police chasing people with dogs and everything else, thing else, this is the first time I've ever seen a dog do this. But this police officer who has you know, police experience, he's retired now, says this happens all the time. I want you to remember that the next time I start think, talking to you about how dogs can't be trusted. The dogs have minds of their own. Yes, they can be trained to go after blood and remains and, and corpses and, and all those things, but they're not robots. And I keep bringing it up over and over and over. How much do we talk about dogs on Unfound and how much do they, you know, do they n- never find any remains? You know, for every un- what's well, for every unfound episode because we only cover unsolved disappearances. And how many times we talk about dogs? Quite a bit. How many times have they failed just in the disappearance that unfound is covered? Like two hundred times. And although we talk about it, you know, the guest wants to say, "Well, you know, we got the dogs out there. They went here. They went there. They feel compelled to talk about it. I'm willing to let them talk about it." But trust me, I've told these guests, it's great that those dogs got out there, but you got to realize that it's, it's that they don't aren't successful very often. So um, it's just to watch. I didn't know this video was going to be popping up, but there it was. And it was like, yep, I knew it. I didn't know it, but I know it. The just, just dogs are not as reliable as we think. And I have to admit, When it comes to dogs that sniff for drugs, you know, how many times, you know, I'm not some defense attorney or anything like that. But, you know, a lot of times police use drug sniffing dogs to get access to people's vehicles. Well, you know, the dog's sniffing around. Something seems suspicious. Hey, you have any contraband in here? You have any weed in here? You have any coke in here? My dog's... Really setting off. No, we don't, sir. No, we don't, officer. No, we don't. No, we don't. We don't. Well, the dog says so, and that's enough for us to go inside. Not to go to Cookville and conspiracy land, but are we sure that's what the dogs are smelling? Because you can't ask the dog. I mean, 
I have to admit, if I was a defense attorney, I'd be starting to wonder, are these dogs lying somehow? And are they just, you know, it's a precursor. It's just a way for police officers to get around warrants. How about that? It's something that's come to my mind. And because if this cop is going to say, yeah, canine dogs that run after, they're supposed to run after bad people, mess up all the time, then how many drug dogs do you think are messing up? And how many people do you think have been convicted because of that? Because, the, you know, the advantage that the police have, the dogs can't be questioned. They can't, you can't put a dog up on the stand under oath and ask you, did you really, 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 really smell that drug, those drugs, or were you just pretending? I wonder, I, I hate to be like this, but it's just, uh, my understanding of animals comes from covering disappearances. And I hear over and over how many of these dogs don't find anybody. And I start thinking, yeah, but they're supposed to be trained in tracking people. So what's the problem? And you hear all these trainers. Well, it was too cold out. Well, it rained. Well, the wind did, you know, it was blowing the wrong direction. Everything. Could it be that these dogs just aren't as capable as all their handlers have made them out to be? Now, I realize there are just frauds out there, like, you know, people just making up, oh, yeah, our dogs are trained, and it's complete fraud city. I realize that. I realize that. But I'm not even talking about them. I'm talking about dog handlers who, you know, have trained their dogs to allegedly follow tracks, but they've really overstated the dog's ability. Just because they want to be involved, or maybe they're getting paid, or this or that, and the other thing. You know, it's the example I always give, like with plumbers. You pay plumbers to fix your sink. Plumbers don't get paid if they don't fix your sink. But it occurs to me that when we get people out there doing searches who have specialized skills, you know, how many of these people are getting paid, yet they find nothing? Would that then not lead people to cheat, to lie, and just say, I don't know what to tell you. Dog wasn't in the mood today. I'm sorry. Now, I realize a lot of these people do it pro bono, but their reputation enough as a dog handler and stuff could get them other work that might pay, and it might be built on a fraud. And... You know, my opinion would be, you know, I've seen the training of these canine dogs. We've all seen, you know, they go up and, you know, bite on the person's, you know, the, you know, in training, they have like those big thick uh, sleeves on dog is out there chewing on it and everything else. We've seen them trained and we're thinking, man, that seems pretty sure, man, how could a dog mess that up? And then there's a police officer and yeah, I see canines messing up all the time. Things when it comes to dogs, we love them. I love pets. And in fact, I will tell you when I was over at Taylor uh, on Saturday when I won, I'm trying to leave a dog. Somebody's dog followed me to my car and almost jumped in my car. The little dog, his name was Billy. Beautiful little puppy. Dogs love me. Animals love me. Horses love me. Cats love me. All animals just love me. But... Could we just be giving them a break because we love animals? I think so. I think so.
You know, I think that, you know, if it were snakes that were being trained to sniff out, I don't know how much, you know, how many people love snakes. There are people out there who love snakes, but a lot of people are turned off my snakes. Maybe it would be then. Then would maybe be more doubtful of snakes. But because everybody loves dogs, we just want to believe that everything they do is perfect. Bias. It's so bias. So there you go. That's my rant. Once again, if you want to see it for yourself, go to the Active Self-Protection channel. And you'll have to go back maybe five days, maybe something like that, to find that video uh, of this chase where the dog just totally loses, totally loses its mind. It's it would be funny if it wasn't so dangerous, you know. So there you go. Um, woohoo! I need to see you throw discs discs in Kansas, do you, Lisa? Well. Uh, as I will say, continue to say, Lisa, I'm a better podcaster than disc golfer. Uh, uh, so I'll admit you. Thank you, Stitching. I, uh, I wish I could pay, but I can't right now. I don't have any money. Sorry to hear that Ashley's gone. Okay. Uh, uh, Mary says, oh, my favorites, sweet potato pie, sweet potato pie or casserole. Sheree says, drug dogs that find Tylenol is BS to me. Yeah, and you know, you read about uh, dogs that can smell out cancer, dogs that can predict when somebody's going to have like an epileptic seizure and all these things. I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I, I, I don't know. It just seems a little, I realize that dogs have um, sensory perceptions that we do not. They have better ears, they have better noses, um, but just all seems like a little bit of pseudoscience. People seeing what they want to see. Uh, thanks, Sri agrees. Dogs, lie detectors, handwriting analysis, co- coincidences, voice analysis. Yeah, Sri, it's all crap. Uh, you've said this. Dogs are no different than lie detectors. It's just something to do. You can't rely on it. It's not scientific. Uh, and handwriting al- analysis, I think, is a great example. It used to be very, very accepted. If you go back and look at like the Zodiac Killer and all the, the investigation they did back in the 1970s, looking at the handwriting analysis and all that stuff. That's not an accepted science now. It was back then. It's not accepted now. It's all crap. <laughs> sure, he says, yes. Okay. Yeah, and voice analysis, body language reading. You know, there are people, there is something called acting out there. That all people are capable of doing, not just people in Hollywood. They can make themselves look like one thing, but actually they're thinking something else. Everybody can do that. All right, moving on. But go find the Act of Self-Protection. Who was asking me if that's the channel? Um, That's the channel. Yes, Mary B. Active Self-Protection. I'm giving that guy a free plug. Very popular channel. All right, I want to talk lastly about this couple who went missing. Now... Unfortunately, the recent news is that somebody's now in custody for their uh, disappearances, although this p- person has not been named as of me putting the live show together this evening. A miss- uh, missing Washington State couple may have been abducted, a relative said, as law enforcement conducts searches for the pair. The Thurston County Sheriff's Office, this is in the state of Washington, says Karen Cope and her husband, identified only as DeVito, so David with an O in the end, 
disappeared in suspicious circumstances that came to authorities' attention on Monday, so last Monday, when deputies went to the couple's home to carry out a welfare check. Law enforcement were sent to the property in the Lake Forest Development in Lacey after one of the two had failed to show up for work. Deputies also found that the couple's car, a gray 2015 Toyota Yaris, which is, I think, the smallest Toyota they make, was missing from the residence as it was later found by law enforcement several miles away in an intersection in Olympia close to the Chahalas Western Trailhead. The sheriff's office released an image of the car on Thursday asking for the public to get in touch if anyone recalls seeing the vehicle over the weekend. To ensure the integrity of the investigation, we have not released many details. It is not exactly clear when Karen Cope and DeVito vanished. It doesn't appear they went willingly. I don't, uh, said uh, Pauline Dutton, Karen's sister. I don't really know that anyone had heard from them after Friday afternoon. Knew a lot of those people in the sheriff's office, and they are working hard on this. We have no direction to go, said uh, Lieutenant Mike Brooks. Uh, Brooks also said Lacey police arrested someone Monday night after they were found to be in possession of something that belonged to the couple, but the individual individual was later released. I think that's different than the person uh, that they were arrested within the last 24 hours. He added that the person is a tenant of a property owned by the pair. News of the person um, of Karen Cope, a well-known local chiropractor, has provoked an outpouring of shock and well wishes from her patients, flowers lined the wall outside her office this week. Sign on the door read, due to an emergency, Lacey Chiropractic is currently closed. It's really hard right now because we don't have any answers, uh, Dutton said. Describing her sister as the type of person who would jump out of her car in the rain to give you an umbrella. She said the missing couple, couple have been together for over three decades and described her brother-in-law as similarly altruistic. He always was the first person to volunteer to step up to do anything. You don't even ask, have to ask him. He is there to be of service to others. Now, the local uh, latest news as of today that a man has been arrested, and all it will say is that he is in his 40s, and still as of, once again, me putting this live show together on November 20th this evening, the, their bodies, whether they're, they have not been found. This couple has not been found. Um, so what do we think the possibilities being that somebody now is in custody? I guess we're to believe that there was some sort of foul play. What are the possibilities? Well, first we got to go to relationships. Is there this some sort of love triangle? You know, the couple is together. Could one of them have been cheating? And this guy who was in his 40s found out about it was maybe it was, I don't know if they were straight, gay, both uh, bisexual. I, I really don't care. But did this man find out about this? Is he like a jilted lover or something? And somehow was able to um, get both of these people and somehow, you know, cause them both to go missing. Now, of course, we've covered some disappearances of couples on unfound and you know maybe we you know have covered quite a few uh and you know i don't know if in any of them do we really think that one person caused both of the disappearances i think we're usually more inclined to that if two missed people went missing together and we think it was foul play we usually think that there were probably at least two suspects as well i think that makes a lot of sense maybe not but what if it is just one guy involved in this? That would be, I think that would be unique. 
So what are the possibilities? Relationship gone wrong. Uh, love triangle of some type. Did this guy have a, you know, um, have some sort of crush on Karen and she didn't want to be with him because she's married and he takes it out on both of them. That happens. Very common. Maybe it's a billing dispute. It just very well may be being that she has her own business. Did she do service for somebody, you know, cracking somebody's back or whatever they do at chiropractic offices? You would never catch me going to a chiropractor ever. But was it something involving, uh, was this guy, you know, upset, you know, that, uh, you know, maybe she didn't at her chiropractic clinic, maybe she did more harm than good. And he was all ticked off about that. Or that, uh, you know, there was a billing dispute and she was trying to collect on him and he didn't want to pay. And this is what happened. Possible too. always, anytime you have private businesses or whatever, this is always going to be something we should consider. Uh, for these types of situations. And maybe this could just be a straight out carjacking. You know, it doesn't sound to me like a Toyota Yaris uh, would, of course, we know that it was, um, you know, it was found. So it's not like somebody stole it and parted it out for the money or anything. And I got to think the Toyota Yaris's are not maybe a very common vehicle to be stolen or anything. It's like the entry level Toyota, even though I realized that, what is it? The, Toyota Camry, is that what it is? Honda Accord Toyota. The Toyota Camry is a car that's often stolen, but that's a little more upscale. Could this just been they were in the wrong place at the wrong time? And this guy in his 40s, maybe he has mental issues or drug issues or whatever else. They're getting in their car somewhere. He jumps in with a gun or a knife and threatens them and forces them to drive somewhere. I think that sounds like a possibility as well. We just don't, at this point... We just don't have a lot of information. In fact, we don't even know where these these two people were last seen. You know, was it at their house? Were they out to dinner like on that previous Friday or something and came out to the car? We don't know. That's not in that article, and I'm not even sure if that information is out there anywhere. But these are, I think, given what we, uh, we think we know about these two missing people, it's probably the best theories Right now, I really can't pick one any over the other other than to say we know relationships cause a lot of disappearances. Um, Stitching says, uh, how are you doing? What do you think of Don and Candace passing three polygraphs and have been on YouTube drunk and still know Summer Wells? I wasn't aware of all of that uh, stitching. I really don't know what to think. Uh, but she's telling you what she thinks. Lisa, never been to a chiropractor ever or a doctor in the last 15 years except for falling down the stairs twice. Got to watch those stairs, Lisa. Got to watch those stairs. So I will keep my eye on this um, on this missing couple story. It will help to find out who this guy is. Find out if he has any connection to these two at all. Did he know them? Was he friends with them? Was he a neighbor? Or it, maybe it'll be a total different scenario in which he's totally a stranger to them. That, of course, would cause us maybe to go in some other directions regarding theories. All right, so let's go to this Friday's uh, episode, and it is the disappearance of Camille Dardanes or Dardanus, D-A-R-D-A-N-E-S, Camille Dardanes. This is a disappearance that happened sometime in September of 1994. We're just 
Not sure on the date. We're using September 26th, 1994, because that's the day that Camille was supposed to appear in court and she didn't appear. Whereas the last time that she's on the record anywhere is actually September 3rd. So a full three weeks before this. So somewhere in that three weeks, she went missing. And if you can believe it, we're going to Vegas again, but much more assuredly this time. With Ashley Higgins, I've already talked about that. I have some doubts whether she actually disappeared in Las Vegas. Whereas with Camille, there is no doubt that she went missing in Las Vegas. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Camille. She was actually kind of famous uh, nationally in the United States in the late 1980s. Why? She actually made it on the Today Show and some other national shows. Why? She ended up marrying a guy who had been in jail for many years for rape. And then the victim of that rape came forward to say that she made it all up. The guy's name was Gary Dotson, D-O-T-S-O-N. And this happened in uh, Chicago. And the woman came forward in about 1987 to say, I'm sorry, but I made it all up. Gary did not do anything to me. Gary was let out of jail and Camille was waiting for him. They had never met before. She was waiting for them. They got married. Now, unfortunately, their marriage did not go very well. They ended up having a daughter, Ashley, who is the guest, along with a woman who's been helping Ashley figure out what happened to her mother. The problem is that Camille, you know, she was doing pretty well there when she appeared on TV in the late 80s. But by 1994, she had developed a drug. She had moved to Las Vegas with her daughter to live with her mother. She would developed a drug habit. She would become a stripper in Las Vegas. And she was also prostituting herself. And she ended up getting married to another guy. Without getting divorced from Gary, she really went really, really badly downhill. But on the day of her dis- before her disappearance, uh, she was caught with another guy uh, with cocaine in his apartment. They got sent to the detention center in Las Vegas. She was let out the next day on September 3rd. And that is the last that anybody, that's the last documentation anybody has of Camille Dardanes. So you're going to hear about it this Friday. I don't have a title for this episode yet. Going to work on that tomorrow. But yeah, we're going to Las Vegas again. Uh, what I forget how many disappearances we've covered there now. Uh, of course, Amanda Fravel, Jesse Foster. Is there at least one other one maybe? Yeah, Stephen Kocher. Of course, it's technically Henderson, but still. So we visited uh, my former hometown a few times, but that will be this Friday. Camille Dardanes, D-A-R-D-A-N-E-S. That is on NamUs. She is on the Charlie Project. I will have a clip of her appearing on TV in the 1980s, among other things. And the guests are Ashley, her daughter, and a a woman named uh, Gabrielle who has been helping Ashley for like the last six years trying to figure out what happened to Camille. So that's it. That's the live show for November 20th, 2023. And um, Lisa says, I love your episode titles. I try to be creative with them, but I want them to be kind of uh, a learning experience too, Lisa. I really work hard at that. But that's it. That is the live show uh, for today. Thank you for watching. Please give this video a thumbs up before you leave. If you're listening to this as a podcast, give us a nice review on iTunes. 
That's all I got. And I hope all of you have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you're in the United States. If you're not in the United States, I hope you have a fantastic week until we meet again. And uh, you will hear and see me this Friday. Uh, that will be, I did uh, Zoom interviews for both those guests. So be looking for that. Good night, everyone. And say hi to the kids for me, Charlie and Shri. Thank you for moderating too.